Thanks for finding me here on Organic Matters, a show about, it used to be just gardening all organically, now I've I stretched it to living and gardening organically, sustainable living. We do talk about climate change because it's happening. I am a proponent of EVs, electric cars, and not only just electric cars, electrifying our world environmentally safe, which we're going to be able to do, folks, but it's not going to happen overnight. I get in these little discussions with people. I don't expect this. It's going to be 20 years you're going to still see fuel, believe me. But the faster we switch, the better it will be for us and, of course, for our world. We are warming it up, folks. I read articles by a guy named Chris Thomas, which is a commentator in a newspaper. And uh, he got me interested in this. I've got some of the information from him, and then, of course, I throw my two cents worth in. But as I always tell you, I base it everything on what we know, not what we just espouse. You have to know where the information comes from so that it's legit. The fake facts have gotten to be so persistent that nobody knows what to believe anymore. If you tune it in on my channel, I've at least checked it out as best as I possibly can. I don't know if I'm always right 100%, but I'm right as I can be, and I certainly don't just spout it off like the uh, Sean Hannity's of the world with absolutely no uh, facts or history behind anything other than to sensationalize so people listen to me the next day. I don't do that. If you are a baby boomer and think millennials and Gen Zers seem cleverer than you, it's because they probably are. From the 1930s to the 1990s, my little, where I, no, I wasn't here in the 30s, but I've been here for the rest of that time, oil companies added lead to gasoline to make engines run smoother, forcing two generations or three to breathe leaded air. Older generations have five fewer IQ points on average because they grew up breathing lead air fumes, folks. Duke University researchers reported this back in 2017 after extensive studies. In the early days of automobiles, folks, fuel would sometimes combust unequally inside the cylinders of engines, damaging the engine and creating a knocking sound. You've all heard of the knock, engine knock. In 1920, mechanical engineer Thomas Migley discovered that adding lead to gasoline stopped the knocking. And, and he was really feted for his accomplishment. At the time, it was a, a great discovery. Here's a little bit of the uh, story up front, though. Within a few years, all refiners were adding tetrathylead to gasoline. Call, we call it ethyl gas. I remember that. No one would have blamed Migley for the brain damage that was hoisted on everybody for generations if he had known any better. This is the bad line. But he did. And so did a heck of a lot of other people. For a little bit of history that I even found fascinating, the Greek physician Dioscosrides, I'll never do that twice, discovered lead was toxic in the first century, folks, we've known for a while. Harvard Medical School professor Alice Hamilton told General Motors and DuPont that selling ethyl gasoline would cause widespread poisoning before they ever even launched it the first time. The, the, the science was already there, folks. And here's my, I say I don't get on a soapbox. Just follow the money. That's what it was all about. And, and, and we knew way back then. In 1924, five refinery workers died and 35 became acutely ill 
including Migley himself, that's kind of interesting, from lead poisoning while blending ethyl gasoline. Under pressure from the big corporations, the federal government ignored Hamilton and the other critics and allowed leaded gasoline to be put onto the market. Now, that's not a responsible thing for governments to do. And of course, we now know in the long run, Hamilton was right and Migley was wrong. The mass poisoning became evident with doctors and environmentalists demanding an end to leaded gasoline. Nevertheless, anyway, Gasoline companies and automakers defended ethyl for decades, calling the public health concerns exaggerated. Finally, the Environmental Protection Agency, EPA, back when they were still allowed to do their job, incidentally, they're almost not now, forced the automobile industry to phase out leaded gasoline. That was in the 70s. Those old enough to remember, which I do, well, I, kind of, I guess use the words growls. They were unhappy about the decision for years, denouncing what they called back then liberal environmentalism, would even use that word, for overblowing the problem. Believe me, folks, that's not what the facts were. This, as a matter of fact, the turnabout since then has been astonishing. Children born in the U.S. after 1980 have higher IQs than their parents. A 2011 United Nations study showed that the removal of lead from gasoline resulted in $2.4 trillion in annual benefit and 1.2 million fewer premature deaths from that poisoning. And since I am a pilot, I want to mention one other thing that's interesting. Up until about right now, believe it or not, the fuel for small airplanes still has lead in it, although it looks like we're finally going to get... Uh, something that will replace that if, as soon as the Federal Aviation Administration will approve it. But that's kind of amazing. Unfortunately, there's still industries out there and people that work at those industries that say that taking the chance, I want to use the word sacrificing some of us for the greater good of their pocketbook is justified. Let me give you another one or two quick samples just so you'll get a point of what I, the reason I'm on my soapbox. Asbestos. We all know what's happening with asbestos now. Of course, it's basically gone. But the asbestos industry did not acknowledge that it was poisonous until lawsuits revealed the truth in the 70s, even though there are science papers written with the fact stating that from the beginning, they knew their product was hazardous to us, to our children, and to the environment. Money talks. Yet, strangely enough, I still occasionally run into people, because I'm up in my 70s, folks, who denied asbestos is a problem and said it was a scam to steal corporate money. Believe me, folks, that's not where the problem lies. Let's bring up one more, one more that really is close to me. DDT was miraculous at killing malarial mosquitoes. Spraying DDT from aircraft eliminated malaria in a lot of places, in typhus, even in the southern United States. This is way back in the 40s. But 20 years later, scientists discovered DDT was building up in humans, especially in their fatty tissues, and killing a number of different animals, including our bald eagle, incidentally. But DDT makers initially called the scientists hysterical until science evidence became overwhelming. Regulations only came after the public demanded limits on where and when DDT was used. 
uh, Allah, The Silent Spring, if you've never read it by Rachel Carson. It's just been reissued in the last year. It's well worth a read. It's amazing how parallel it is to even what we're doing today. Which brings me to the point of why I'm doing this part of the show the way I am. The world is again, folks, caught up in one of these awkward periods where we know for a fact fossil fuels are heating the planet, but we're reluctant to wean ourselves off of them. We have invested trillions of dollars in the fossil fuel industry and switching to alternative fuels is going to be a long, difficult, and expensive proposition. There's no doubt about it. Science tells us, though, we can only release so much more carbon dioxide to avoid what's considered irreparable harm for our future generations. We're putting in our faith in the next generations, folks, and a lot of people are very hesitant to do that. Why? holding on to the dollar. At the last COP27 conference, which I talked about last week, that's the, con- the international or uh, conference on environmentalism, I guess is the way to say it. Diplomats negotiated for weeks and accomplished almost nothing. Partially because fossil fuel lobbyists outnumbered representatives from the most vulnerable countries by 10 to 1 or more. We're back to the same situation as these the previous mentions I told you, whether it's leaded gasoline or asbestos or DDT. The big money still controls everything that goes on with little or no responsibility for the outcome knowing. You see, the problem is if they don't know and we do it out of ignorance. And at the beginning of DDT, at least we, we didn't quite realize what its dangers were. But knowing from the beginning, lead was going to be bad for us in our system if we used it. Knowing before we ever put out the first sheet of asbestos that it was going to be dangerous for our children and us and our future generations, we still allow, we still enable these corporations to run their businesses to the best of their advantage, but with no respect or no no. Uh, actually no answering back to us, no responsibility that that they're ruining this little thing we live on, this little blue marble. Go back and look at that picture. <laughs> and and that's, this is all we've got, folks. Yeah, we just flew off to the moon to look around, and yeah, we have, yeah someday in the hundred years maybe we'll be on Mars. But that's, that's not an answer. The answer is we need to start protecting us. We need to, well, there's two things going on here. There's me and there's the us. And the me is the corporations for themselves or even individuals that are rich. I'm doing it for me. But there's not a lot of this. We're doing it for us down the road. Us, our children, our future generations. They're not involved in that. They don't care about that. So while I don't like to get on my soapbox, when you get into the environmental situation, which I do each week, one, one quarter of my show, it's, it's got to begin to be realized. I just had a, a big discussion for, with Thanksgiving over from a distant relative that just was spouting what he called facts uh, to the point that they were just so ridiculous. I tried, to, I tried not to get involved. I, I've, I went to the party with the idea that I wasn't going to get into anything like that. But it was so irresponsible. And then his answer, his actual answer was, I said, well, where do you get these facts from? Well, what are you using as your sources? And his actual answer was, I just hear it all the time. 
that's that's the way he backs up. He hears it depending on where he gets his news or where he listens to his radio or his television. But he, he has any responsibility in his background to uh, to even uh, take a look and think about, well, wait, wait, what what is a better answer here? They don't care. We've just been raised that way. And he is, incidentally, my age. He has a set of new lungs. <laughs> Both lungs have been replaced and a number of other pieces on his body. He is a result of the amazing science that we have learned and the facts that we know about him that he's even in existence today. So you'd think he would be one very conscientious. and No, he don't care. I mean, that was just the attitude. I heard it. I heard it on TV. I heard it on radio. Folks, those aren't facts. The facts are we are uh, even quicker than we thought, really affecting everything that happens on our planet. It's called the anthropogenic, that means the human era of, of what's going on, or like the dinosaurs had the plasticine, all that. We now are the guiding force on this planet for everything that goes on, and we need to learn to be responsible about that. Thanks for listening to Organic Matters. It'll be a lighter subject after this, I promise. <laughs>